Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. The COVID-19 pandemic is making many already uncertain and emotionally fraught experiences that much trickier to navigate. This is certainly the case for the healthcare professionals and patients in the neonatal setting. To explore this topic and potential strategies for approaching the pandemic as a NICU nurse, I'm joined by Mary Coughlin. Mary is a globally recognized expert in the field of trauma-informed neonatal care. Her background spans more than two decades with numerous speaking engagements, teaching sessions, books, and hands-on neonatal nursing care to her credit. She's the founder of Boston-based Caring Essentials, an organization that works to transform the experience of care for hospitalized infants, families, and clinicians with a vision of trauma-informed healthcare for all. Mary Coughlin was scheduled to be the guest speaker at the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses Conference this year in June. And while we're sorry to miss that opportunity, we're thrilled to have her join us here on the podcast for this discussion. Welcome to Neo Chats, Mary. Thank you so very much. I'm really, really honored to, um, to have this chance to chat with you. Well, I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to have this conversation. And I think I just want to kind of jump right in. And for all our neonatal nurses and everyone else who is listening, what is the message that you want to share with them right away? Well, I mean, we will get through this. I mean, I think first and foremost, folks really need to embrace that reality. This will pass. um, And my expectation from everyone who's on the front lines for this is um, that you're going to really be able to critically evaluate the experience. Where were the gaps? Where Where are the challenges? How can we, you know, if this, God forbid, ever happen again, What are we going to learn from this experience that's going to make it better the next time around? But I also, the other important piece of this is the soul side of it, right? You know, taking care of yourselves, that the care that you provide to these patients and families in crisis is of critical importance, but you can't give what you don't have. And if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not really filling up your cup at the end of the day, and this is in a, in a regular situation, right? Never mind this global crisis that we're faced with right now, it becomes even more imperative that you really take the time to fill up your cup, really restore yourself, figure out what are those really important things in your life and don't miss them, right? And, and I'm not talking about the big events like the CAN conference or these other things. I'm talking about those small moments, you know, when maybe, you know, your children are out in the backyard on the swings and they ask you to come out and just push them or just watch them or just be with them. And instead of, you know, rushing to the next thing that you think you need to do or get done or clean or whatever, spend those precious moments with them. They're magical and, and they're, they're very powerful to fill up your cup. That's that very a, true. I was lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it's very true. We had a, a discussion on the podcast already with uh, with a parenting expert, and we she talked about you know how important her cup of tea has become because that's something she can control. Mm-hmm. She has the tea. She can make the tea. She can drink the tea. That is in her control, and and it's those little moments. You're right that you know maybe maybe the moments that used to bring us that peace we have to shift and find them somewhere else now with yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Staying with that idea of our nurses being at home with their families, there's a lot of anxiety 
wrapped up in that right now, more so than usual for our nurses because of the fears around the pandemic. What advice, what strategies can you share with healthcare workers about that feeling right now? I think the thought that comes to mind is the work by this um, really amazing woman. Her name is Laura Vandernoot Lipsky, and she's a social worker. And she's written um, a couple of books. Her first book is called Trauma Stewardship. And it really invites clinicians, social workers, first responders, you know, those frontline folks to be mindful of the signs and symptoms, if you will. It's probably not the best word, but, you know, the signs that um, the trauma may be getting to you, you know, and, um, and it, it's insidious and slow moving, you know, how trauma overwhelms you. And I think critical care people in general might already be exposed to too much trauma, you know, in regular circumstances. So I think the strategies that are most effective right now are um, really starting to develop those mindfulness practices. You know, uh, I'm actually working on the second edition of the book, Transformative Nursing in the NICU, and finishing up the chapter on pain and stress, um, which really, it was really helpful for me to identify for both clinicians and for parents, you know, um, in this time of, of trauma or, or, you know, kind of exponentially bigger trauma that, you know, the simple act of just, you know, sitting down and meditating for a few minutes. And, and I know sometimes people get like all weirded out and go, yeah, I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to slow down. You know, my mind does all these things. Everybody's mind does all these crazy things. Nobody's got it perfect, but just taking those few moments to help you particularly, you know, when you're between shifts, right. To really transition from Mary, the nurse in a crisis situation, freaking out, you know, for a variety of different reasons. And then I come home and I'm now Mary, the mother, Mary, the wife, Mary, the aunt, the sister. And in that transition, using that time, if you walk home, if you drive home to shift, you know, just shift your energy and let go of all of the things that you just left behind. So if you're coming home from shift, just leave it behind. And please know, I get how wicked hard that is. I understand that. But deep breathing is really helpful. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of box breathing. When you breathe in for the count of four, you hold it for the count of four, exhale for the count of four, and then pause for the count of four. And you just do that. It really is amazing how it can calm down your autonomic nervous system and really help prepare you for the transition of where you're coming home. I know particularly folks that are um, right, right there. I mean, if you're in a COVID unit or you're being exposed to patients with COVID disease, COVID-19, um, you know, folks are showering in the garage, right? Stripping down their clothes, doing all of these things are so, um, they're traumatic, you know, they're, they're absolutely traumatic. And I think the ripple effect of this, we're going to be feeling for quite some time after this has gone and we've gone back to our new normal, we're still going to have some, some secondary effects of this trauma that we're experiencing. So trying to introduce some practices that help calm you autonomically. Once you can calm yourself autonomically, then you really can feel more in control, more present for you know the task that's in front of you, whether that's making scrambled eggs or um, or you know whatever the situation is. I, I think that those are small little strategies that might help. 
I think that's some really good advice in there for people, for, for anyone dealing with any part of the situation, but especially the, the frontline teams that have that, that added level. Mm-hmm. And thinking of our NICU nurses and our healthcare teams there, I think a lot of those professionals are used to trying to help families deal mm-hmm. with the trauma that they're yeah. potentially facing. And now there's this added layer. Mm-hmm. What, what can we be doing as professionals in that mm-hmm. way to help our patient families? Yeah. Um, so on the job, you know, when you're in the thick of it and, and this certainly it's heightened, you know, during this crisis situation, but I think we do a lot of the, um, the thoughtfulness, the connection that um, kind of shared that shared connectedness with families in crisis on regular days. Although sometimes it can be challenging, right? I mean, the, the patients that we serve, they are in oftentimes life and death situations. Um, it can be really challenging, frightening, overwhelming to be in those situations. But I think that's why being part of a team is so incredibly important that I may not be on my game every single minute of every single shift that I come to work. But I hope that my teammates, my colleagues, will be able to help support me. Um, I don't know how many of the folks that will be listening have heard of the Code Lavender strategy, which is a really nice way of um, when you see one of your colleagues who's really having a tough day, um, offering them a Code Lavender. And basically, this one group made these little sachets. There's a tea bag in there, some little essential oils. Um, an inspirational card, and they kind of got like a timeout, uh, not a punitive timeout, you know, a, a loving timeout to try and reset and help them come back to the care after they've kind of dusted off the, that frenetic energy, that angst that they may be experiencing. At the interface for the family, I think particularly now when we're challenged with, you know, hospitals, um, and I, you know, I, I understand both sides of the coin, right? You know, they're trying to decrease footfall in the unit. So they're limiting the number of people that can be present in all of the care settings, not just the NICU, right? And that really can be pretty morally distressing to clinicians who absolutely know the critical and biological relevance, right, of parental proximity, um, physically, emotionally, families are freaking out. I'm the nurse, I'm freaking out, how can I balance that? And I think, again, if you can do a cold lavender, do it, take a time out, reset yourself. The thing that really, in my experience, that really makes a difference is just your authenticity. Just, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things that we can't control, but the, the, the things that we can control is how we show up to these crises, how we show up to these families. They just need to have you be raw and real with them. And if you can sit with them, if you can just kind of be an ear, you know, and let them talk about the struggles that they're having, that can be really helpful for them. And I think it also gives you, the clinician, a chance to slow down, be present. And there's so much healing in that. This idea of trauma-informed care it has its roots in behavioral health. And um, I think it, it was just a very interesting discovery for me as a NICU nurse, right? You know, because I was just all about NICU, NICU, NICU. I would only look in NICU literature because why did I have to look anyplace else? 
And then I have this really interesting experience where I am exposed to the behavioral health world. I hear of this term and discover what relevance it has, right, for all settings. And the, the key takeaway from what it means to be trauma-informed is to just recognize that traumatic experiences affect us. They affect us. They change our biology. I mean, when trauma is in over an extended period of time, it can actually change our developmental trajectory. So knowing that, then the informed piece is, I get it. And I can actually, me, Jess Neary, no lab coat, no stethoscope, no you know, fancy stuff in my pockets, just me can become a therapeutic intervention, a therapeutic agent for other. And it's that family in crisis. And, and reminding ourselves, particularly as nurses, that that's really what we're called to do. You know, I mean, the very essence of nursing from Florence Nightingale is our job is to put the patient and, and the family, right? For, in NICU, it's patient and family in the best position for nature to help them heal. And so we do that by allaying their anxiety, reassuring them, being, being honest and authentic and present for them. And I think it, it can be really hard to do, though, to be honest with you, Jenna, in an ICU environment, because most folks in there are there because we're adrenaline junkies. We love the rush of ICU. We love the challenges, the technology, the, you know, all the, the, the various disease states, the manipulations with all the equipment, you know, to try and, you know, heal these folks. So we get really excited about that and we forget that the most powerful therapy is right there, you know, right within us. And I, I'm sure, you know, parents could say, you know, the most profound, I expect you to, to heal my baby. I expect you to know how to manage the disease. I want you to be there for me. And, and that's, I think, what we're being called to do in this crisis as well. And I think we're seeing it now with so much more clarity. I see on the news, I see, um, you know, in my little e-zines and stuff like that, these beautiful stories of folks transcending the crisis and really being there as a fellow human being to help, you know, families, patients move through this crisis. As a parent who spent time in the NICU, that was something I realized, you know, seven years ago, we had fantastic staff and they were able to take those little moments that I was missing out on as a parent of not, you know, this, not being able to do the same photo shoots for my yes. twin boys as I did for my older daughter. And they took the photos and they sent them to us and they, they were able to make those personal connections over those little things. And when all of this pandemic started and, you yeah. know, I know a lot of people who are pregnant and are, who are so worried about yeah. what that's going to look like, because things are different than any of us have experienced. But to me, I know, you know what, the NICU nurses, they know how to do this already. They know how to help families through these kind of moments. And yes, it's exponential right now. It, it's different but those roots are still the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It, I mean, it's, it's such a privilege to, um, you know, to be part of somebody's birth story, right? The beginnings of their life. Those are defining moments, right? I mean, it, for new families, it's a defining moment to go from a couple to a family. And how we as clinicians show up to those moments defines us. You know, we can either choose to be compassionate or we can choose 
otherwise, you know, and I think we're seeing this now on such a deep, deep, almost cellular level. When I talk to my NICU colleagues out there and how much they are advocating for the families and how much they are really raising their voices and saying, no, this cannot be this. We need to get these. The parents have to be with the baby. There needs to be skin to skin. What are the safety things that we can put in place to preserve the intactness of this dyad? Because this is just the beginning. And what happens right now is going to influence the rest of their lives, their relationship with each other down the road and, and their relationship right now. And so, I mean, nurses know that. They know that there's magic in that, that proximity, you know, that, that cuddle, that hold. And, um, and, and there's a lot of chemistry and science behind that as well, right? So I want to be sure, sure I say that because I don't want folks to say magic. We don't need magic. There's a lot of biochemistry that we know um, is well established across all mammalian species. And that includes us. And we can't disrupt that. We need to first do no harm. That's our first admonition, right? You know, the neonatal literature and the, and the beliefs lately have been shifting over the past, you know, mm-hmm. 10 plus years yeah. to really put the families at the center again and to make that focus. And it, it would be such a shame if we somehow lost some of that footing because of what's happening. Exactly. It really would be heartbreaking. Yeah. But I think, you know, like you said, there's people are, are thinking of that now. They're not just saying, oh, OK, yeah, we're, we're going to slide back. I think, you know, conversations like this and the, and the ones that you're hearing with your colleagues show that we're not going to let this happen. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, there are, I think, there are enough leaders in the clinical arena that aren't going to let things backslide. I mean, there, there have been some folks that have been really challenged with trying to produce evidence to say, is this really necessary or is this just fluff? And it's frustrating. And I know it's driven by fear. You know, people are challenging this because they're driven by fear. I understand that. But we can't let fear drive the car. You know, we are, we're healthcare professionals. This is an infectious disease. Yes, it is overwhelming and we don't have the resource. I get that, but we know the steps. We know, we know the rule book for infectious disease. And so we just need to stay true to that rule book. Outside of this pandemic, if you had an infectious disease, we would just have you, you know, if, or your, your child had an infection, you just don the appropriate equipment and you go in. You know, so we need to stay grounded in the confidence that we have in our skills. Yes, I understand it's a different bit of a pathogen, but we still know our basics. And so not, you know, you know the expression, you know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, we really need to stay grounded. I, and, but I, I know that fear has really been um, a big factor in this. And again, that's also kind of fans the, uh, the fires and the, or the flames, if you will, of trauma, right? That, you know, the absence of consistent information, mixed messaging, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's very frightening. And I know, um, you know, higher levels are also recognizing that and trying to address it. We just need to be patient. We need to be secure in what we know and, and just stay true to that. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners oh. before we have to... <laughs> wrap this up today yeah no no I again I'm just so honored and um uh you know I'm keeping everybody in my heart and prayers um stay safe and um that you know take care of yourself please just take care of yourself it'll be all right so thank you so much for for sharing your wisdom and sharing your thoughts oh you're most welcome thank you so much Jenna
Mary Coughlin is a former neonatal nurse, a world expert in trauma-informed care, and founder of Caring Essentials Collaborative based in Boston, Massachusetts. So you can find out more about her and her work at www.caringessentials.net. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. This series is supported by an unrestricted educational grant by Malacroft. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages.